Welcome to the Hustlers Manifesto podcast. We jailbreak from toxic hustle culture. We take Hustler back from the belief that bigger is better, security is contingent on compliance, and freedom is reserved for the powerful. I'm your host, Sarah Duran. I'm not here to tell you how to make a quick buck. I'm here to change the way work is done so we can live more meaningful lives right now instead of betting on an uncertain future. If you value this content, please rate it and comment on this podcast wherever you get it. Thanks for being part of the movement. Hi, Chris. Hey, how's it going, Sarah? Pretty good. How are you? Living the dream. Awesome. Same. Uh, It's summer here, so I feel like it just like it really snuck up on me and now I'm like oh it's like legitimately summer so it's really nice out I'm in Maine it comes on fast as well they call it vacation land it's cold you know winter and all that and then boom the summer hits yeah I can imagine from what I hear about Maine which I don't I don't think I've ever actually been to Maine but the winters are intense so I can imagine that like summer is when summer comes it's welcome very much so yeah nice Um, well, I'm super excited to have this conversation with you today and we'll just kick off with the three questions that I ask everyone at the beginning and feel free to just like kind of answer all three of them together. They kind of all fit together. So I ask them all together. Um, who are you? What is your work and why do you do it? Awesome. Uh, who am I? There's a lot of layers to this onion. So, um, I'm a lot of things. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a dad. I'm a homesteader. I'm a pretty, um, pretty into the outdoors. Used to live in Alaska. Used to run sled dogs. I've done a lot of rock climbing and mountaineering. Built a lot of websites. I'm a software entrepreneur. My mission, my personal mission, is my company mission at Lifter LMS, which is to lift up others through education. I'm a big fan of unschooling. I'm a big fan of traveling the world to learn about other cultures and try to make the world a better place. So why I do all that is just that mission to lift up others through education and enjoy the journey. I love it. I mean, I love all of those things. I'm also, (laughs) um, I don't know, I would describe myself as like a wannabe homesteader. Um, I have like what I call a small farm in my backyard, a few chickens and a little bit of property in the mountains that I dream about living on someday. Um, So maybe someday we'll have like a whole side conversation about that. But um, I also love, I love the mission of um, unschooling and democratizing education. That's super awesome. And um, I'm, that's one of the reasons why I was so excited to have this conversation with you because I think we're in this place now um over the last several years and especially like post covid i think everyone like took all of their everything and like put it online for in terms of learning content um where you can learn pretty much almost anything online at like a very affordable price um so i'm excited to get into all of that um to kick us off like maybe just tell us a little bit more tell us about your business and like exact like what what do you do what does your company do well my current business which is by current i mean it's been going for eight years is i have one of the leading learning management system softwares for wordpress so if somebody's creating online courses or a coaching program or continuing education site on their own website that's built on WordPress is very likely my tool, Lifter LMS, might be powering that. Um, 
So I created that eight years ago with some talented co-founders. Before that, I ran an agency building sites for clients, particularly in the online education and coaching niche. And then, you know, before, at the beginning of all that, I did that um, by myself as a, as a freelancer and took odd jobs here and there in project management to kind of find my way. Because before all that, I was a very low tech person. I ran sled dogs in Alaska. I managed a tour business on a glacier you could only get to by helicopter in the summer. And, you know, after I had my first daughter, I decided to make a big career change and I really wanted to have control over my location and my time and my schedule. Um, so that's why that, that was kind of the driving force to become an entrepreneur, but it was also inside of me to that just kind of entrepreneur personality type. I realized later in life, that's what I had. So I've just been pulling on that thread and here we are today. I love it. I love that. I love that journey. It's, um, I would say like almost every entrepreneur that I talk to, it always comes back to like control and flexibility. Like I hear that over and over again when people are like, I decided to work for myself because I wanted to have more control over like what I did, where I did it, how I did it, when I did it. Um, so I love that. Tell me, tell me more about, so I have, um, dabbled in the online course creation world. I do not have a WordPress website, so I'm not familiar with your tool, but, um, it, it was definitely like a journey and like a learning curve of like, how do I build it? How do I sell it? How do I structure it? Like all those things, like, tell us about like, tell us about, I guess, how you got, like you said, it's definitely been a journey. You went from like a low tech space into now, like, you know, having this company where you have like a, a tech tool, like why, why the, like an LMS type of platform, um, specifically in relationship to like everything you've said so far about your mission and everything else? Um, well, I've always been a big outdoor person. So I've always been into hiking and camping and climbing and animals and all that kind of stuff. Um, but during my phase of life where I did all that, which I still do, but where I did it kind of to the extreme, um, I started uh, needing to run and manage a company for my boss, who was a Iditarod sled dog racer. And, uh, I, you know, I rose up as a guide and became the manager there. And I, I really got into leadership and management and I started devouring books about that. And, um, you know, in all that, I learned about, you know, influence and persuasion. And, um, I kind of later in life discovered a love for marketing. So this is in around 2006, 2007, 2008. And around that time. I was watching the birth of the online make money online gurus on the internet and all that stuff. And some of it was cool. Some of it was a scam. Some of it was in the middle, but I just fell in love with that whole world. And I was kind of like, I had a double life where, okay, I'm Mr. Outdoor leadership dude who lives without power on a glacier and is in charge of all this stuff. At the same time, I'm like really nerding out on, marketing and online business. And I watched the, I watched that whole world kind of, um, really start to take off around that 2007, 2008 period. Um, through all that, uh, my first side hustle, this is in 2010 after I left the glacier, I guess I did some affiliate marketing before that, uh, and made almost no money, but then I, um, 
I started creating online courses in the organic gardening and permaculture niche with my wife. And we would also just, it wasn't just us. We would partner with various experts who were very low tech, but very famous in the space, which I highly recommend. Like if you're beginning and you have like internet and marketing and business skills and stuff to partner instead of try to create from scratch, at least in the beginning. Um, and that's where I got my first successes with online courses and, you know, started building websites and, and people started asking me to build them websites, started blogging about how to do online courses from a WordPress site. People kept hiring me. And, and then I was like, I just need to build a tool that a better tool to do this in the world I understand, which is WordPress. So that's kind of the evolution there. I love that. Um, I'm also extremely interested in permaculture. So <laughs> maybe okay. another thing that we'll, we could, we could talk about at a later date. Um, I love that journey though. And so tell so I'm curious about, so I have like, like I said, I've built online courses. I use the platform I use is Kajabi. So it's like very mm -hmm. like plug and play, like super easy. I've never had a WordPress website, so I'm not actually super familiar with the back end of it, but like, tell us about like, what was it when you said you were like de doing this for, like people were hiring you to like build these things for them. And you were like, I need to build a tool so that it's easier for people to do this themselves. Like, What's the difference? Like what makes your tool easier? Like how does it help people do this um, in WordPress as opposed to just like doing, hiring someone else to do it or like trying to DIY it themselves? I think I just kind of came into the scene at like the perfect time because I'm not a developer or a coder, um, though I have a software company. So how did that happen? Well, WordPress is... Um, it's a tool that you can use as a non-developer. It's a little more technical than a hosted platform like Kajabi, Teachable, Thinkific, but it's it's more flexible and can do more. And in some ways it can be cheaper and stuff like that. It just so happened that when I went to YouTube and I did a search like how to build an online course website, um, the first set of videos I got was a YouTube tutorial from somebody using WordPress and I was writing a blog. I was also wanting to create a blog about leadership. And that was like my first site. So I was just watching this dude on YouTube build a site and I was doing it, just doing exactly what they said. And that's how someone like me, who's non-technical, got into WordPress. And then as that was a long time ago, that was uh, 16 years ago. WordPress just turned 20 years old uh, this last week, I think. Um, so the platform has evolved a lot over the years. Um, when I started, Teachable didn't even exist yet. And before it was called Teachable, it was actually called Fedora. And um, Kajabi, The I remember when Kajabi started, that was around the same time that I was beginning to learn how to build websites and stuff like that. So there's kind of these parallel universes of uh, build it yourself on a website you own and control versus use online hosted tools, which are great too. Like there, there's pros and cons to both sides. But that's how I kind of got into it. And, um, you know, like on Monday, I'm actually flying to Greece. There's the big WordPress um, European meetup and there'll be like 6,000 WordPress people there. And it'll, it'll be uh, like a lot of the people that build the tools and the agencies in the industry. So over all that time, I've, I've just kind of fell in love with the WordPress community. It's because it's open source mm -hmm. and it's like... Um, it's not like a centralized company. 
there's all these like small businesses and entrepreneurs and agencies and customers and clients all over the place. It's, it's like a, a vast network, which is really kind of cool and special. So yeah. I, I just fell in love with that. And that's where I ended up. Yeah. I love, I totally agree with you too, that, um, there's pro there's definitely pros and cons. I mean, to like all platforms, but I think yeah. platforms that are more like plug and play, like Kajabi obviously have constraints if you, um, in terms of like customization and functionality, depending on what you want to do. Um, and like, even with, uh, like I, I, I appreciate the like de the like learn it as you go, you know, perspective um, of how you got here too, because even in a like plug and play system like Kajabi, like the learning curve is still pretty steep. Like yeah. I'm pretty good at it now after like all of the mistakes I've made over the last few years trying to build all my courses and everything else in there. Um, but it's definitely a learning curve. Um, I'm curious about, so like as someone like from my perspective as someone who has like built um some courses and like gone through the experience of like selling them and having people interact with them and stuff like that um and you having this perspective of like doing this with like a bunch of people um what do you think like what do you think are some common like misunderstandings or like mistakes people make when they start to think about uh launching an online course that's awesome. And I'll just say, I have a podcast called LMS cast where we talk about this stuff. I'm on like episode 400 and something over there. So, uh, we, we get into mistakes a lot over there, but some of the, you're right. I have had the pleasure of making a lot of mistakes myself, but also seeing men, many tens of thousands of course creators, uh, succeed and fail. And unfortunately there's a lot more failure in the space and there is success, um, not to discourage people, but it's hard, it's hard out there. And some of the biggest mistakes are going into what I call the course creation cave where you kind of get excited, but you, you, you go into your room and you, you go into like this infinite planning and I got to make it. And then I got to make, I got to get the green screen. I got to get my audio better. And next thing you know, like the days and the months and the years can tick by that's one. Mm -hmm. um, there's some remedies to that, which are to uh, do it with a live audience first. It's popular right now. You hear people using the word cohort-based courses, like just get a PayPal account and Zoom account and teach it live. That's I, I highly recommend doing that for the first run on a course. And that that solves a lot of that. The other thing is the uh, it's called the expert's curse. That's where you're super smart or experienced or passionate about a, a particular subject matter. And you try to jam everything into the course. Um, very common issue and those are what i call resource courses and they, they get kind of out of control and uh, they can be overwhelming and not as desirable to the prospective learner because they're just you're so you're excited but you're building a library and, and people are more excited about getting a specific result than going into a library mm -hmm. so there's some instructional design techniques to you know solve that problem and then the third one, and I could go on and on, but these will probably be my top three, which is probably the um, what I call a, a mind shift or mindset um, in inequality, where you're focusing too much on what you want. Like, I want to make money online. I want my location freedom. I want to work from home. I want to, you know, be in this subject matter. But if when it shifts to like an outward focus, like where we have a really specific customer avatar, like a ideal customer profile, 
not only do we know who it is, but we actually like working with those people and understand them and get them. And perhaps they're even a previous version of ourselves. Uh, and then we really pour all that energy into serving those people and getting them success as quickly as possible. The money follows all that. The freedom follows all that. But sometimes people get a little wrapped up into, you know, themselves and there's nothing wrong with making money or wanting freedom and everything. But the ones that I see that make it have a really strong customer focus and uh, people want the money and the, and the freedom and everything, but it comes after really solving issues for a specific group of people. Yep. So I have made, I think every single one of those mistakes myself. Um, I've like learned all of those lessons the hard way. Um, I think what you said in the beginning is, is about it just it being hard is true. I think especially now, and I'm with you, like I'm not discouraging anyone from doing it because I think it's a super powerful way to get your expertise out in the world and make money if you can do it the right way. But um it's hard. I think there's a lot of stuff out there that's like, just, you know, record an online course. Like I'm thinking of like all the Kajabi ads I ever saw. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you just, it's no big deal. Just like make an online course and like sell it to some people and like, you're going to be fine. Um, which is, it is not that easy because I think the online course, uh, universe is pretty saturated right now. And I think you're right that um, what you said earlier is like, it doesn't mean that all of that stuff is quality. Um, I come from a back, I started my career as a teacher. So I have a degree in curriculum design, which like helped me think about how to like structure things in a way that I don't know if like everyone um, has, which like feeds into the other, the, the first mistake that you talk about this, this just like perfectionist tendency of, mm -hmm. Cause I think the flip side of that is like, there are a lot, like, like you said, all the online gurus have like online courses that are super fancy looking and they're standing in front of green screen and they got their like fancy whiteboard and um all their props and stuff like that. And so like an amateur will look at that and be like, oh man, like I can't compete in this, but I actually think it's so much more about the content and like the, your um, ability to live, to deliver content effectively which a lot like not to say if you're like sound is terrible and you know everything else isn't there that people are going to want to consume your content no matter how good it is um but it's so true i spent so much time in the beginning in investing in a lot of things that turned out to be not that important and simultaneously did not like i made the the second two mistakes that you talked about where I was really focused on like what I thought my audience needed to learn as opposed to asking them what they needed to learn. Um, and so I had to, I I think I've redone all of my courses like at least three or five times as I like continue to like reflect more upon how do I get super focused about the people that I'm serving and like the problem that I need to help them solve. I love that. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a journey. And, you know, the the sister to perfectionism is imposter syndrome, which is another thing where, you know, I see a lot of people get stuck on that one, too, of there's just some mental um, mindset stuff you got to overcome and get comfortable on video and putting mm -hmm. your name out there and standing on the virtual stage and all that stuff. Yeah. 
Which I love what you said about like partnering with other experts who like may not be as tech savvy. Um, because I think that there's like, I'm a big believer in just like entrepreneurs of all types, just supporting each other as much as possible, like a collaboration versus competition type of mindset. Um, and there's so much, um, there, there's so much expertise out there, which I think we've seen like in a, in a very, not very different, but in a, a different format through YouTube, like you can basically YouTube anything and figure out how to do it nowadays. Um, and so like online courses are just like a different, like to some extent more sophisticated version of that. Um, but it's just amazing to see um, people be able to just like figure anything out um, online. And on the flip side of that, have people be able to like really share their expertise um, in a way that's much more accessible than I think it, you know, was, I don't know, 10 years ago. A hundred percent. And you mentioned partnerships, which is actually another thing I see is in the, the success group. A lot of the people that I see that are most successful with courses are not doing it alone. For example, at my company, Lifter LMS, a lot of my customers are actually web agencies and they're partnering with experts and they build the site and they handle the tech and the, you know, whatever the online marketing is and stuff like that. Um, just like we partnered with subject matter experts because I was a marketer and a web guy. And, you know, there's a lot of people work with virtual assistants and, you know, they may bring in somebody else to do the video and the editing. And I get it that it's hard if you're at the beginning and you have limited budget and stuff like that. I totally get it. Um, that's what I call the entrepreneurial chasm of despair. You have to figure out how to get through that. But um, yeah, the people that I see that where it works out the most is it's not a not a solo act. Yeah, I think that's super true. Um, I all like the chasm of despair is also so true because I like I was reflecting this morning as I was editing um, a previous podcast episode where like, uh, let's see, four years ago, I had never done any of this. Like I had like maybe built a website like with Wix or something like that. But like I had I hadn't built a website, hadn't made an online course I didn't know I like if you had said the word funnel to me, I would have no idea what like I would be like in in the kitchen looking for like I have no idea. <laughs> and I basically like just like self-taught slash like YouTube stuff or like ask, you know, colleagues or peers like how to do stuff. But like it is it's like a everything is figure outable type of attitude where, you know, I just bought like I was just like this seems like a fine video editing tool I'm just going to teach myself how to use it and now it's like I edit all I edit all my own podcasts I record all my online courses myself and do all that kind of stuff which like four years ago I had no idea how to do any of that which I think is also like a testament both to this like can-do attitude that I think on um successful entrepreneurs have and the ability to just like go online and like learn things, learn how to do things. Um, I would agree that consistent and perfect action is something I see in the ones that are successful and you, they're just, it's never perfect and everything's a work in progress. And like you said, everything's figure outable and that Valley of despair, it depends on your situation or whatever, but like I heard this quote once, it takes you like two years as an entrepreneur to replace your old job income or whatever. It took me like three. So I was like, I must not be that good. And 
during those three years, there's some pain. And yeah. I don't, I forget the exact root word of entrepreneur, but it means to undertake. Mm-hmm. And literally we're creating value out of the ether, out of mm-hmm. thin air, as a, if you're a bootstrapper without outside funds. Yep. So there's some, there's some sacrifice that goes in there, which is why I really recommend, especially getting into courses or easing into agency life. If you can do it as a side hustle and just make the pain a little less extreme. And I mean, you can rip the bandaid off if you want, but um, you know, it, you gotta, that energy has to come from somewhere to totally. you know, survive the valley of despair. Yeah, it is. Um, it's interesting because over and I like four years it, for me, like doing the courses and stuff like that doesn't sound like a very long time when I say it out loud, but it is like felt very long to like, and there were moments where it's where I was like, I probably, I just need to give up on this. Like, it's not going to work. Like it's not going to work. And to a certain extent, it still isn't like, I would not say that like my courses are like bringing in like tons of money all the time. Um, not even really like supplementing the income I make off of my like freelance career, but I can't not do it. Like every time that I think about quitting, I'm like, well, I, I just can't because I like love, I love the content so much and I love the, um, ability to be able to like share that expertise with the world so much that like it's almost to the extent that like even if it never makes tons of money I can't stop doing it um and but that pit of despair is is real is real because and it like you go in and out of it because then I'm like I'm in the pit of despair and I'm like I'm just gonna restructure everything I'm gonna like do a bunch of market research I'm gonna figure out what people need I'm gonna restructure everything and then you know some I'm in the middle. I just finished a new restructure over the last few months. So like fingers crossed, we'll see how it goes. But the last two times I've done that, it was like a little bit better, but then like back into the pit of despair. So it is just like a cycle and like a hardcore learning curve um, to be able to make it work. I think that's something that entrepreneurs as part of the entrepreneur personality type is you can't turn it off. Mm-hmm. You don't know how to turn it off. And you, especially if you're passionate about what you're working on, why would you ever want to turn it off? Right. So yeah. it's almost like you have no choice. You have no choice. That's what I've learned. I've I've written about this before on my um Substack, but it's just like you're addicted. Like for me, I'm a, I'm addicted to being an entrepreneur. And like part of that is like I'm addicted to mostly like the flexibility, the freedom, like the ability to create and like do my own thing. Um the money is important too. And like, I, I make, you know, good money on the freelance side of my business. I'm still like working on the course side of my business, but, um, it's, it's not, it really isn't like, even if the money wasn't there, like I could not do it. Like it really is like, well, you mentioned no two words, create and problem solving. That's what entrepreneurs do. Like that's what agencies do. We solve problems for clients. Like I was a sled dog musher in Alaska and I was like, why are these infusion soft people, clients, customers hiring me to figure out marketing. I'm like, I guess I'm just pretty good at problem solving. And that's, that's what I do. And including the tech and the marketing strategy and the content and positioning or whatever. Yep. And it's fun by the way. So yeah, totally. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I love it. I call it, um, and someone else, I'm not going to remember who said this to me first, but it's like the curse of competence is what someone had said to me, where it's just like you, it's again, that like everything is figureoutable type of attitude where 
um, you just are that person that like people know that they can go to you to help them figure out things. And that can spin off into um, all different types of businesses. And then you get addicted to doing that for yourself. Cause if you can do it for other people, then you, that means that you're going to be able to like figure out things and, you know, DIY things and fake it till you make it in your own business until you're able to make it work. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, well, this has been a lovely conversation. I, I like, I, I think that like the, the ability to, the ability to to lessen the learning curve of being of helping people get their expertise out into the world with online courses is super important because like i said even with a plug and play system like kajabi the learning curve was like pretty steep um and so it's i i commend you um for what you and your your business partners have done with your company because i think it's really important to help people get their um, expertise out into the world and sort of level the playing field on the opposite side, level the playing field for people to be able to learn all kinds of new things and, um, you know, sort of pay it forward of helping other people. Yeah. I mean, entrepreneurship and education are really powerful forces of good and change in the world. So it's, that's what keeps me motivated. Um, you know, I've been doing this for about 16 years now and uh, I'm still just as excited today as I was on the, in the beginning of that journey. I love it. Um, well, where can, um, we'll definitely link your, um, podcast in the show notes, but where else can people find you? Uh, you can find me at the podcast LMS cast, and then my software company for creating courses is called lifter LMS. So you can find that lifter LMS.com and on social media, I'm probably the most active on Twitter which is just my name at Chris Badgett. Wonderful. We'll make sure to link all of that. And I think I'm going to be on your podcast in a few weeks. So um, we'll, you know, I'll cross share out all of that once that happens. But um, I appreciate you talking with us today. Thanks for having me on, Sarah. Yeah, thank you.